Hello everyone, uh, happy Saturday. This is a Q&A I've done, question and answer of course, to celebrate reaching 5,000 YouTube subscribers and 1 million listens on the audio podcast, which is what you're listening to this on now. I've split it into two parts because it went for an hour and a half. I only thought it would go for about 10 minutes because I didn't think enough people would turn up. This was on YouTube, on you know, on the edge with Andrew Gold on YouTube, uh, straight after the episode um, with El Hardy on Pentecostal Pentecostalism, I suppose. It's not uh, edited and finessed as you've come to expect of my episodes on here because it was done live while people on the sidebar chatting would ask questions. Um, So it's just me chatting away, my voice banging on. Maybe it's not for you, might be a bit, it's a bit different to the other stuff, but uh, hopefully, I mean, some of the questions were pretty good, pretty interesting, and I just talked loads and answered them. And it's nice to feel that there's a whole community of people listening. I might do these more often on the YouTube channel, so do go over to On The Edge with Andrew Gold on YouTube, hit subscribe. There are little clips and things I put up there that I don't always put on the audio because I don't want to bother all the audio people with endless clips for you to download. But I hope you enjoy this. If you're on a commute or a walk or a jog and it's the Saturday or Sunday and it's like, you know, you want something else to listen to. And the second part I will put out next Saturday because 45 minutes is enough. Really, you don't need a, the full hour and a half. Um, hope you enjoy. Hope that there's not too many references to YouTubey stuff that doesn't quite work for you. I think it does get better as it goes along, um, and I start to find my feet a little bit with the community. It's the first time I've done a proper live stream like that. So, uh, without further ado, enjoy. Good to have you all here. Hope you just enjoyed that episode with El Hardy about Pentecostalism and the links to QAnon and Trump and all that stuff. Uh, I'm doing a rare live stream right now on YouTube. There's a bunch of you here, which is really nice. Um, Hopefully more will join as we go on. So please hit that like button and keep chatting on the side because it will sort of get it uh, out there with the algorithm. Some of you may have noticed I've had a haircut. Don't don't worry, you don't have to say anything. It's all a bit, bit shorter, isn't it? So... Uh, we're here to celebrate that two things have happened. So one, the audio podcast on Spotify and all of that stuff, that's now been going for a couple of years and it hit a million listens. It actually did that a couple of months ago, uh, but I didn't really do anything for it. I didn't even realize actually I had to sort of start adding um, things together because I was with uh, a platform called Acast and then I was with one called Audio Boom, and now I'm with one called Megaphone. That's where you host the audio podcast. So they've all got different analytics. So I've just, um, I'll just put my phone on silence one moment. But yeah, I have just um, added those together and realized that it's about a million. So um, what was I going to say? Oh, 23 people. I mean, I was getting there. So, um, the other thing was, yeah, 5K YouTube subscribers. So that's what's going on right now. 5,000, it's actually 5,380 now, because there's a few hundred in just the last couple of days. So that's growing really fast. Um, YouTube was initially, and don't take offense, YouTubers, it was initially an afterthought uh, because it was all about the audio podcast. And it's only the last couple of months I've started putting loads of effort into YouTube, putting up clips every day, a lot of clips that aren't on the audio. So audio podcast, people should come to the YouTube to check those out. Bits from my old documentaries are there. And the other thing is you get the live, uh, you get to do these live streams and I put the 
I put the podcast episodes up every Monday and Thursday at 9 p.m. UK time. That is, what is that, 4 p.m. Uh, East Coast, 1 p.m. Pacific time. Um, and a whole bunch of people come by. Uh, a lot of them are now watching this, for example, and we all chat while watching the video. We go in the chat on the side. So that's what we're celebrating. It's 5,000 YouTube subscribers and a million listens on audio. It's gone past both of those numbers now. And thank you so much, all of you, for supporting this channel, uh, whether it be YouTube or audio on Spotify and all that stuff. Um, so I wanted to answer some questions, questions about the podcast or just questions people can ask, whatever. It's a bit of fun. That's what we're supposed to be having. If you're here now, all of you guys, please do keep asking as many questions as possible so that this is not embarrassing for me because it would be very embarrassing if no one asks any questions. But luckily, we already have one. Here we are from Paul Morgan. I'm clicking it. If you're listening on audio, I've clicked it and it's gone on the screen so people can see this. What person of history would you like to be able to interview? That's a fantastic question to get this Q&A um, started. Um, it's a really difficult one. I mean, from history, I guess it means it could be someone who's alive today because everyone's part of history. One person I really want is Ricky Gervais. Another is Darren Brown. And those are both sort of obvious reasons. I love what Darren Brown, he's a mentalist, like not like a crazy guy, but a magician kind of guy who does... Uh, he can do a lot of the stuff. I've obviously researched a lot of religious people and extremism and tried to sort of expose some of their techniques and things and the exorcism documentary that I did. And yeah, that's the extreme beliefs is where I'm at, really. And Darren, he gets people up on stage and says, I don't believe in God and all that stuff, but still I'm going to cure your blindness. I'm going to cure your bad act. Sorry, you're going to cure your bad back. And all that kind of thing. And he does it. It's really, he's an incredible person. And then another one I'd love is J.K. Rowling. I mean, I loved Harry Potter. I read all the books. I read them in lots of different languages. There I am showing. It wouldn't be a Q&A for On the Edge with Andrew Gold if I wasn't showing off about my languages. But Harry Potter was a big part of my life. And obviously she became like, you know, the person at the heart of the culture wars because of her views on, you know, feminism and trans stuff. Uh, so I would love to have her on and just let her say loads of controversial things where I just sneakily sit there and listen. Now, as for from history, if we're talking about like that game of like, okay, who, you know, wouldn't it be fascinating to talk to anyone from like a thousand years ago, if you could speak the same language as them, not just old English or whatever, and actually say like, you know, how you doing, mate? Look, what, look I'd love to just, I'd love to get Shakespeare and like take him to the cinema to watch one of his plays or to watch, uh, sorry, like Hamlet or what, you know, even the Globe nowadays, the theatre, uh, get him to watch one of, you know, a newer version and see what he thinks of it all. Wouldn't that be fascinating? I would love to do that. I would love to interview Hitler um, uh, just to see what he's got to say for himself and see, you know, was it all an ideology? Was it all to annoy a lot of people? I don't know. Um, so Hitler would be really cool to talk to. Um, what have we got? Frankie T says, quickly visiting. Hello, nice to see you there. T I've spoken to you on Twitter, and that was very pleasant. TK, a regular visitor to the YouTube uh, community here on, on the Edge of Andrew Gold channel, asks, do you plan to make any more documentaries? If so, what topics would you like to cover? So I did plan to make more documentaries, yeah, because I was doing it all with the BBC and HBO. I had stuff about UFOs out on HBO. I had stuff about uh, exorcism for the BBC. And then I said to the BBC guys, right, 
exorcism thing's about to come out. I want to make something about abortion. And the reason for that is just because it's another thing right at the center of the culture wars. It involves a lot of belief, a lot of anger and stuff like that. And I thought, I'll put myself right in the middle of that. And I found somebody called the crazy baby lady. Oh, actually, I should put this up on the screen, TK's question. That's up on the screen now. Somebody called the crazy baby lady. Her name's Mariana Rodriguez Varela. And she's mad. She's that kind of person, a little bit like the Westbrook Baptist Church in in sort of looks like the matriarch of the Westbrook Baptist Church. She she shows up at uh, abortion clinics and screams at people who are getting their abortion or terminating their pregnancies and has these little plastic plastic fetuses that she runs around and throws at people and screams at people. So I thought she's going to be a really fascinating uh, subject to cover. So I went out and filmed that as I had done with the Exorcist film. I did it just sort of with a, a team I put together with no budget, just borrowing stuff and turning up. I really like that sort of rough and ready look of a documentary that's not overly produced. And I told the BBC and they said, oh, no, we don't want to do anything about abortion. And what followed was a, a couple of years, actually. I finished that film and eventually will publish it or broadcast it on YouTube or somewhere. Once I found somewhere, I know it would get a good audience. It's a it's a really interesting, crazy film. Um, but yeah, the, what followed after that was a few years of meeting after meeting in production companies around the UK, where every single time I came to them with ideas and they said, yes, yes, we really like this, but we don't want you to be on the screen. We would like somebody from a minority. And they were literally that vague. And the thing is, like these people are not the ones making the rules. These are the producers who have been told this by the BBC, Channel 4, and other TV channels. So they uh, they knew it was as ridiculous as I thought it was, and they would make jokes and say, we can break your legs for you if you want, or are you sure you're not gay or trans or whatever it might be? And I was like, no, I'm just, I'm just me. So couldn't do it. And that was actually a huge reason behind starting the podcast. Uh, in terms of what topics I'd cover, there was stuff I was looking into. One in particular, I think it was Bolivia or Peru. I can't remember which now, which is no good really. But I really looked into the story. It was this set of vigilantes who uh, they basically have the the rule of law there and they go around and they put like people's feet in um, anthills for punishments. They've got these really barbaric old-fashioned punishments and they don't need to do trials and it's actually part of their law because it's an indigenous custom that is protected. So I wanted to make something about them. I thought that would be fascinating. And just anything that's mad, crazy culture and that kind of thing. Uh, Nosferatu, Nosferatu the vampire has written, Andrew, how do you not know who Klaus Kinski is and can you give me an impression of him in the future once you look him up? I did have a quick look and saw who the image was. It's the guy from Blade Runner, isn't it, who recently died. Is that right? Um, we're, what does he say? We're all, we'll all be gone like tears in the rain or something like that. Uh, yes, so that's who I think Klaus Kinski is. I will be corrected as this goes on if I'm wrong. Uh, Michael Yoder, hello Andrew, made it from Victoria, BC, Canada. Is that is that the BC part? Is that that's not um, a time period, is it? Two thousand years ago, in no, because he'd have to be very, <clears throat> very, very old. BC, BC, what is that? Oh, I know, British Columbia. It's British Columbia. I didn't even look that up. I just realised what it is. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman asks, has Louis Theroux, or in America, that would be Louis Theroux, ever arranged to collaborate with you? That's a really interesting question because I have spoken uh, by email with Louis Theroux, who, if you don't know who he is, uh, for maybe Americans and stuff, he's the son of Paul Theroux, or Theroux, the travel writer. He's the cousin of Justin Theroux, for the Theroux, who is 
an actor who was married to Jennifer Aniston. And uh, his brother, Marcel Theroux, is also a documentary maker in the UK. Uh, and they're all fantastic. And Louis is somebody uh, who really inspired me as a documentary maker. He's fascinating. And he started making these, again, for Americans, I'd say like Michael Moore, but without the politics. Uh, and it, yeah, I've modeled myself on him a little bit, partly because I, I thought, oh, I'm a bit like that guy. Uh, but that, I mean, even that, that's an extremely arrogant thing to say because he's like the best of the best. So I don't, I don't mean I'm as good as him, but he's wonderful. Um, and we spoke, I'll actually pop that question up on the screen now. We spoke, Louis and I, about, well, firstly, he saw my documentary about exorcism on BBC and he was very complimentary. And then I spoke with him and his production team about potentially doing some podcast things together, potentially doing some documentary things together, for example, them taking that abortion documentary I was talking about. And it just didn't quite happen, as is always the case. Anyone who works in media, you know, that just happens all the time. Um, the other thing is, like, Louis is often on screen doing the same job as me, so it doesn't really make sense for us to do stuff together. I'm sure, watch this space, I would love to do something with him at some point, and I'll keep pushing him to come on this podcast, so we will see how that goes. Um, but he's great, Louis. What else? Linda Nett puts a thumbs up. Nikki Stedman says, so handsome. I think that was because that was back 10 minutes ago when I was talking about my haircut. That's very nice of you, Nikki. Uh, Nosferantu the vampire. Andrew always has to taunt us with his handsome... Oh, stop it. Come on. I've read that out now. I look arrogant. TK, congratulations. This is again about the numbers and things. Thank you very much, TK. Sister Sophistry has written, do you regret having Lloyd Evans on your show? I hope not. He is an asshole, but that's how I found you. That is funny. Um, so Lloyd Evans, okay, so again, this is a very YouTube-y story that happened. And for the audio people, there, there's some filling in that needs to be done. Because uh, you guys know that I did interview Lloyd Evans, who is the ex-Jehovah's Witness, a couple weeks ago. Um, and things went a bit um, south after the interview. Um because Lloyd was talking about how he's an ex-Jehovah's Witness who's one of the top people in his ex-Jehovah's Witness sort of social media world. And he created what I think is his own sort of cult. And he took some vulnerable people who were Jehovah's Witnesses and he sort of took them in. At the same time, he provided, you know, quite an amazing place for them to be. So it's not all down and all, not all bad. Um but he also, yeah, it's very, very complicated. But as you'll know, if you listen to that episode, he was caught or he actually admitted to um, going out and getting sex workers. People are saying that was in Thailand. The problem being that he has spoken out a lot about uh, child sex trafficking and that kind of thing, only to then go and, you know, go to a place where a lot of that takes place. Now, I'm not this really moralistic person who wants to judge him for that. But while that was playing on the YouTube channel, um, more and more and more people started coming forward and saying that Lloyd Evans bullied me, he doxed me, which means putting out my information on social media, he did this, he did that, you need to speak to someone from the other side, what kind of journalist are you if you don't? So I did, I had the person making allegations against him, which was Kim Silvio, his former producer, and I had to talk to her, but when I told Lloyd I was going to talk to her, he had a bit of a breakdown. And he said to me that he was going to add me to his list of litigation, um, which was shocking for me. He also said he was going to remove his Patreon because he was giving me, for a year, he was paying me £1.50 uh, to support me. I mean, you know, which is very nice of him. 
but it was just a, a weird threat. And if you say to a journalist, an investigative journalist, if you say to them, uh, if you look here, I'm going to sue you and I'm going to take away £1.50 a month, that's a red rag to a bull, that is. So that was like, I have to now investigate this story, otherwise I'm not doing my job as a journalist. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to make a circus of the whole thing. That's why I didn't put it on the audio podcast. I thought it was a little bit irrelevant. But I interviewed Kim and things went crazy. There were like memes made of it. There were videos on loads of other channels. With like, I kept seeing my face all over different people's channels, other ex-Jehovah's Witnesses, almost all being supportive and saying like, finally somebody's spoken out against this bully and all this stuff. And then some people saying, hey, he's not a bully. He's not a culty and all that. And so it was such a confusing mess. And like I say, that's why I didn't put it out on the audio podcast. So, you know, um, I've got what else is there? Wonder Woman, your new hair looks nice. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on What Could Go Right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com heretics and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn.com slash heretics to learn more. Nosferatu the Vampire saying congratulations, Gold Emperor. That's what he calls me. Uh, gorgeous Roddy Chrome says congratulations. Oh, thank you. Julieta F, which is actually Julieta F, is my girlfriend and editor of this here podcast. And she says I love your haircut. Nikki Stedman won't be long till 10K subscribers. 
Joe Lynn, we love you, Andrew. Oh, that's nice. Nosferatu the Vampire, Andrew inspires me to be more handsome. Should I read all these out? I don't know if I need to read them out. Scarface, good evening. Hello. Ray J, good evening. Congrats on the subs. Thank you. Joe Lynn, here's a question. How can you interview people and at the same time chat BS with the audience without losing focus? Okay, Joe Lynn, what's happening is I put out the live premiere of each episode on Mondays and Thursdays. Um, and uh, they're already recorded and edited weeks in advance often. Sometimes just one week, but sometimes a month in advance. Um, so then that video goes up live, so to speak, but it was actually recorded uh, weeks before. And then that's why I'm able to chat on the side with you. And it is confusing because I don't think many YouTubers or podcasters do it that way. Uh, I do it that way because it's really important to me that the, that the podcast is edited. You know, a lot of people just do their live premieres and it goes out and it's like a little bit, you know, I suppose it's more immediate in a way because anything can happen, right? And the mistakes are all included. But again, because the audio podcast was my bread and butter to start with, I think that needs to be a really nice listening experience. That's like edited. The ums and ahs are taken out to an extent, Um there are fewer gaps between uh, um, between when I speak and the person replies. That's one of the biggest things. I didn't want this to feel like a Zoom podcast, like a like a lockdown podcast where I'm asking a question and you wait a few seconds for the delay and they ask and we talk over each other. That's one of the main things that Holy, my girlfriend, uh, edits out, um, along with a lot of other decisions and things. We want it to feel like a really shiny, pristine uh, thing. So... That's why it's not live when it goes out on YouTube. This right now, though, is live for you guys, but not for the people listening on audio on Saturday when this is going to come out for audio listeners on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and all the other ones, CastBox. Um, Frankie Tease from the Frankie Files podcast asks, are your followers mainly from the USA or the UK? They are... The audio podcast is about 60 or 70% from the UK uh, and about 25% US. So I often you know, talk about people from the US and I say, oh, if you're from the US, this, you know, Britishism actually means this or that. Um, and then there's 10% who are, you know, Australian, Canadian, uh, South African, South African, uh, Irish, there's a lot of Irish. Um, and then you get, yeah, Germans and Dutch and people from all around the world, Frenchies, checking in. What's really fun is to sometimes check out on this thing called Chartable. I can see where the podcast ranks in certain places and you just get these really random places where perhaps there aren't that many podcast listeners and um, it's like I'm number one in Saudi Arabia for a week or or in Luxembourg or something like that in my particular category and that's a lot of fun. Um on YouTube, however, I think it is more, oh, it's about half and half, I think, US and UK. So, yeah, bit of a mix. And that's why I do, like, you know, I'm doing this live stream now. It's 20 past 10 at night. Um, and the videos come out, the podcast videos come out at 9 p.m. at night in the UK. Because the US, of course, is five hours behind or eight hours behind, depending on where you are. Uh, Nosferatu is asking rude questions, so I shan't repeat them. Um well, he said, this is to show the audio listeners the difference between what it's like there and here. Nosferatu's asked a question and a very serious one, under boob or side boob? 
God, Nosferatu, what are we going to do with you? Right, Nikki Stedman, what's your opinion on Johnny Depp and Amber Turds? Oh, my God. Nikki, you've asked a loaded question there because you've called Amber Heard turds at the end of it. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so um, the thing with that is it's a weird one because I try really hard, to, firstly, to stay out of like celebrity gossip and also, you know, I'm writing this book about secrecy and a big part of it um, is the difference between secrecy and privacy or privacy, however you pronounce that. And one really interesting thing is like, you know, something is private, like at, at home, right? Something that's private is like, I don't know, how long you take to brush your teeth, right? That's a private matter. You could tell people if you want. It's not a secret. If it got out, it wouldn't really matter would it who cares how long that's so the difference between a secret and a, a, something that is just private is that a secret is obviously in some way salacious right so it depends on the societal morals of the time as to how it's judged if we lived in a society where you know people who who brushed their teeth for two minutes were considered maniacs you know that's um that would suddenly become a secret. So there's this really interesting thing between secrecy and privacy, and I've just been writing all about it and looking into it. And then you see these two like extremely famous people, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, having their entire lives broadcast to the world. And then you've got stuff like that actor from Wimbledon, whose name I always forget. Um, he wrote something with Johnny Depp, and Johnny Depp said something about burning the witch about Amber Heard. And then he gets dragged into it, and he's not even part of it. It's, it. It seems wrong to me that you could send a message to a friend, no matter how horrible that message may or may not be, and that, that if that friend then has a divorce settlement that everybody wants to watch, your text will then be read out to the rest of the world. There needs to be something to block that. That's not right. If you're not involved in it, your private messages can't be read out like that. That That's a huge invasion of privacy and secrecy. Um, as for, like, my opinion on the two of them, I think Johnny Depp seems like a nice enough bloke, doesn't he? And he he it's a weird one because I always try to stay centred with these things and look at both sides. And everyone seems to be on Depp's side here. I mean, some people say, look, they're both as bad as each other. But most people are saying, you know, they're team Johnny Depp. Nobody... I haven't heard anybody sort of defend Amber Heard, even her own psychiatrist. So it sounds like she does have, I mean, she's been diagnosed with, you know, borderline personality disorder and things like that. And yeah, it looks like Johnny Depp has maybe copied his um, parents' relationship and found another abusive person. Uh, Wonder Woman asks, what are your top three fiction books of all time? Let me just drink some water while I think about this. Right. This is an impossible question to answer on the spot. You know that thing of like when someone says, who's your favourite three whatevers? And you instantly forget, like, who's your favourite three comedians? And you can't think of a single one. You can't think of a single one ever. Well, that obviously happens with books. But I did study English literature, so I'm into my books. And I would definitely say my top one, and I'll always say this, my favourite ever book is A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Towles. It's a modern book. It's from about six years ago. And it follows um, a guy, and it doesn't sound like my type of book at all, Gentlemen in Moscow, but it follows a guy who, during the Bolsheviks, when they got into like the USSR or, or Russia or whatever it was at the time, um, he was an ar aristocrat and he was forced to live in a hotel, uh, like basically, you know, 
a hotel arrest for the rest of his life. And it's just so quirky and so moving and so beautifully written that somehow it just became the most the best book I've ever read. Uh, I suppose in some respects it's a little bit like the Grand Budapest Hotel, and you can imagine Rafe Fiennes playing the main character. So A Gentleman in Moscow wins hands down every single time um, with that. And then what would I say? I really enjoyed like... Hmm. Oh, oh, okay. The Satanic Verses. I know you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> uh, Salman Rushdie's Satanic Verses. And partly just because it's so, so insane. It's such a big thing on, on free speech. Of course, there was a huge controversy where he had the fatwa on him, which meant they were, you know, basically he had to go into hiding for about 15 years, I think, Salman Rushdie. Um, because he basically depicted uh, the Prophet Muhammad as somebody who. Uh, was making stuff up so he could be sleep with women and like go behind a rock and pretend he was speaking to the prophet and then come back and have as many women as he wanted. Uh, and I think the translator of one of the editions was killed. Um, some of the publishers were killed. He went into hiding. But the book itself is a masterpiece. And people say of Salman Rushdie that uh, Midnight's Children is his is his big epic masterpiece. But having read both, Satanic, the Satanic Verses did more for me. It was just... I don't think I could read it now because as you get older, you're often less patient with this kind of thing. It's a bit like when you're at university, when you're 18, you want to listen to all like the hardest to like or the most esoteric music um, and stuff like that. I think it's the same with books. I was like 22 when I read the Satanic Verses and I was like, I'm going to really get into this and like dedicate part of my life to finishing the satanic verses because it was such an epic i couldn't read that now i couldn't read like james joyce now i don't have that kind of patience or or inclination but um yeah gentlemen in moscow satanic verses uh what else what else i've got a a list of books that i read with my friend josh uh because we had a little book club so uh yeah there was one we really enjoyed both of us, which was Haruki Murakami, Hard Boiled Wonderland and the End of the World. I don't think that's really my third favorite ever book, but in terms of things I can think about right now, uh, that's up there. I really liked Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut as well. That's a bit, that's a really good one. Um, what else? Oh, thanks, Wonder Woman. That was a great question, actually. Charisma Hornum Fries, who often comments on here, just says, I just want to say that I appreciate your Q&As. Well, thank you. Julieta F, who I can hear sort of rumbling around the flat I live in at the moment, says, what was your favourite interview ever? That's a really good question. Um, And thank you for asking. So, favourite interview, is that going to be... I really like talking to Emmy Thomas, the psychopath. And I think the reason for that is a lot of the stuff that I talk about on the podcast and a lot of the stuff we get into here is about I suppose, virtue signaling and people trying to show... I mean, that's what most... And I'm not just talking about woke virtue signaling. I'm talking about religious virtue signaling or anybody trying to show that they are better or more knowledgeable or more this or more that than other people. And what was so refreshing about talking to a psychopath, Emmy Thomas, somebody who openly admits, hey, I am a psychopath. I'm not trying to show I have more empathy than you. Is like you could have this conversation with them where you don't have to worry about saying the wrong thing or that they're going to judge you, and that in today's today's like age, you know, that's a really, really freeing uh, feeling. It's something you often you don't often get 
to be able to talk and stare into the eyes of a psychopath and know that they're a psychopath and say, as I did, I said, like, what would happen if you, you know, if somebody walked in and stabbed me in the face? How would you feel about that? And for her to just be like, uh, I don't think you understand. Like, I am a psychopath. I don't, I, I don't care. That's a very freeing feeling, very scary as well. So the whole time talking to her, I'm on edge as well. I can feel that, like, you know, the hairs on my very hairy back are sort of tingling. So that was really good. Of course, Amanda Knox, to be able to speak to her was just an absolute privilege. Um, you know, I, I, I'm in team Amanda didn't do it. Um, and it was just whatever the truth of it is, I've stared into those eyes for so long watching documentaries trying to work out like, you know, what's going on in there. So to be able to sit there face to face and be able to say like, you know, to be able to talk to her, be able to have a conversation, make her laugh, make her, you know, unfortunately at one point cry. Uh, Amanda Knox is definitely one of my favorites. And then in terms of heroes, John Ronson, uh, comedian David Baddiel, really good. Paul Bloom, John McWhorter, amazing. Um, I'm, I'm, um, I really liked Lyra Boroditsky, linguist, talking about all different language things. She was good. There was just so many. Oh, 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 Dame Professor Sue Black. <gasps> because she just shocked me because she didn't look like the kind of person that she turned out to be, I suppose. That's my own biases. But she's a forensic... Um, forensic anthropologist or something forensic psychiatrist and talks about going into i think it was bosnia might be bosnia somewhere like that and wading through bodies in a in a warehouse that had all been killed and had melted together and she's like wading through this melty sloppy soup to try and find any way of identifying each person oh she was badass. So Dame Professor Sue Black, unbelievable. Good question, Julieta F. Um, what else do we have? Kirsty Lee Murray likes Ricky Gervais. Scarface says Darren Brown would be awesome. Julieta says thumbs up for Darren Brown. A lot of people liking Darren Brown. I did I did reach out a couple of times, but you go you don't even get to him. You get to like his people's people's people. And it's very, very the same happened with Ricky Gervais. I tried both. Michael Yoda, what are your favorite topics to cover? Um, I think that there's a couple there's a couple of things I've always said I want to do with documentaries, for example, which was uh, I want to find something that's really weird and kooky. So that's why stuff like psychopaths and uh, a woman who can remember everything her whole life or whatever, but but also has some degree of profundity about it. So those are the two elements, and you can't have one without the other. If you just have something that's kooky, you're a Victorian freak show. Uh, it's just saying, look how weird this person is. And there are plenty of channels and TV stations and stuff that do that, and I think it's a bit exploitative. Um, if it's just profound, personally, and this is just me personally, I think it's quite boring. Uh, and that's fine. And again, there are plenty of people who cover those things really, really well. And it's just not me. So for example, when I did cover abortion, it was like, okay, I'm going to do this very, very uh, worthy sort of documentary. I'm per I'm personally, in, you know, on the on the pro-choice side, uh, but I try to come at it very neutrally if possible. But uh, yeah, if I'm going to do abortion, I'm going to be following somebody called the crazy baby lady, because that's that little bit of kookiness that I need uh, for that. I'm just going to have some water not used to doing these live. Um, 
so yeah, those are the two things I need. And in terms of themes, it tends to be about uh, extreme thinking, extreme belief. So even what I was talking about before, those people who put people in anthills uh, to punish them for adultery and stuff like that in Bolivia, you know, that's not much to do with the culture wars back here in the UK or the US or wherever, but it is about extreme belief and it's sort of a weird strangeness. It's kooky, it's profound as well for the people who are caught and made to stand there. So that kind of story. But then also, yeah, I do touch on the culture wars a lot. I I hate any kind of like people trying to show off that they're something that they're not I, I find that really frustrating I like to find the humanity and to see that we're all okay we're all trying to get through we're all a bit selfish you know a lot of our beliefs come from selfish places and a lot of them come from nice places as well so yeah all different kinds of topics really but uh yeah that's what I want to do um Scarface says that they've they've been on stage with Darren Brown. That's really cool. You probably still are on stage with Darren Brown. You just don't know it. You hypnotized. You think you're in a YouTube conversation. Julieta F again. How many languages do you speak? I think she's pulling my leg, but it's five. Uh, although my Portuguese now is muito bom. Nosferatu. What was the most threatened or in danger you ever felt in your work? So there's two. One I've just put up on YouTube, a clip of The Exorcist, because once I started exposing him about this woman that uh, he was exercising who who started to become sort of his girlfriend or something like that, which shouldn't be happening with a priest, and she had schizophrenia, he sort of locked me in a room. And it was before the BBC were involved. So we were making this documentary on a shoestring budget, my friend David and I, and they wouldn't let David in. I was just locked in this room and he had about five or six cronies with him just screaming at me. We're out in the middle of nowhere. It's midnight. You know, we're lost. We're basically an hour outside Buenos Aires. Like, it's the type of place that people, you know, journalists could go missing from. That You know, it wasn't likely. It wasn't very likely. But it was, it was something that was plausible that, you know, to save his own hide, he might do away with me. Uh, again, not that likely, but in the situation, uh, my legs were shaking. Eventually, we did get out of there, got home, and I was, you know, my, my girlfriend will testify to this, that I was a bit of a wreck for some time after that. So that was that. And then I suppose with the um, abortion film I made, which will come out eventually with the crazy baby lady, we attended a rally, which was as the vote on abortion was happening in Argentina. And we were filming, it was like four in the morning. With, it was again it was before being involved with a tv channel it was just me and my friend lucy uh, and we had a, a sound person as well and uh police threw tear gas and were water cannoning and all that kind of thing again you're unlikely to die in those situations but it's not the kind of thing that i'm used to or that i've grown up in and it was really quite shocking the amazing thing is the really interesting thing uh, and i've discussed this a bit on a podcast is how the camera does act as a bit of a shield uh, you sort of feel like you're looking at yourself through someone else's eyes so you're able to not quite feel so scared in the moment as long as the camera's on you uh, when we were running away from the tear gas though my director lucy turned the camera off and she was running and as she was running i suddenly felt like oh god the camera's not on me this is suddenly very real and i felt scared again and i said to her, get the camera back on as we we're running and she just did and she's pointing it at me but it was it was quite uh scary so those two times out in argentina were probably the, the most scared and threatened that i've ever been the only other time i've really had an argument with someone was the lloyd evans stuff last week and that was fairly brief and online um and i just blocked him because i just don't want that hassle and i try not to have um too much like controversy on the podcast i like to i like to just have a nice chat you're, you're asking somebody 
to come on and you're you know establishing a nice relationship with them it's a bit weird to uh suddenly go hang on i don't think what you're saying is right old chap and to have a big argument that just doesn't seem right to me uh Kirsty lee loves the guests i suggested wonder woman says you should learn <coughs> welsh i'd love to there is a town in argentina where they speak welsh funnily enough uh ray j would you not be afraid Darren brown would have you eating out of his hand i would be a bit but i think you from what he said you can resist um hypnotism if you want i got hypnotized by chris hughes who i had on the podcast as well because i was scared of doing a speech about journalism for the bristol humanist society and he did it i don't feel like i went into a whole thing you know it didn't work that way it was just i was hearing him say positive things and it made me feel a bit better so that's that uh yeah holly's asking about languages and nosferatu's again saying it explaining why it took me so long to get to that i should scroll down a bit faster really shouldn't i right how does one go about getting that fantastic haircut that's the babylon project that's my friend Vern, i think um well i just popped in and said you know they did they do have a thing outside the hairdresser where i live saying models wanted and i think that's that thing isn't it where um they have a trainee and they just want somebody to come in and then it's a free haircut but i was just too embarrassed to go in and say hey models wanted hey so i called up and said can i get a normal haircut please because i I don't you know i didn't i don't really mind risking it on a trainee because it's it's only quite short hair how bad can it be but i didn't want to go in i'd rather pay 20 quid and not come in have to come in and say i'll yes i'll be the model please um nosferatu the vampire do you play video games at all and if so what are some of your favorites and why i don't and i did and they were always football related of course i had an n64 and i played goldeneye and mario kart as a kid with my brother michael um but otherwise it was fifa and pro evolution soccer all the time all the time my whole life and then football manager or championship manager on the computer that's where you get to be a manager and take your team up to the top the thing is I stopped playing, and I, I might get back into it at some point, FIFA, but firstly, it got too complicated with all the controls, and secondly, I found afterwards, after the games, after playing for like an hour, that firstly, my neck would always hurt, everything in my body would hurt, because it's not a natural position, you're tensed and stressed, and also, I was pretty miserable. I, I, I don't think I was ever happy after uh, after playing FIFA. Um what else? Okay, I'm going to scroll down a bit faster because I really am falling behind on the chat. I'm just happy people are asking questions. I thought no one would turn up to this. Um, 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 sorry, I'm not saying hello to everyone because I do have to go faster. Do, do, do. Astrid Algamo, what about doing an interview with someone like Earthling Ed or Cosmic Skeptic about the philosophy of veganism? Now, I don't know who Earthling Ed is. I know of Cosmic Skeptic and would be happy to talk to him. I found in the past talking about vegetarianism and veganism has not been that interesting to, to people. Um, and I think that's partly because it is a, it can be a bit boring. And that was that thing I was talking about before, just the profundity part, but it doesn't have the quirk necessarily, unless you're talking about those guys who are chaining themselves to petrol stations or whatever they're doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm a vegetarian myself. I have my own cognitive dissonance around it. I know it's not good to drink milk, and I know it's also a bit disgusting. It comes out of like cow things. But I still drink milk, and I just try not to think about it. Uh, what are your favourite headphones? Asks Nikki Stedman. Um, I don't know. I shouldn't really. I shouldn't really um, 
advertise them because they're not giving me any money. But I've got some Sony ones that my lovely girlfriend got me. But I think any of them will do, to be honest. If you spend like 50 to 100 quid, 50 to 100 dollars even, you'll get some decent headphones. So let's have a look. What else is down here? <laughs> People talking. Oh, Julieta's actually answered that and told her exactly the present. She's getting very involved in the questions and answers. Um, Nosferatu again. Do you think legalizing prostitution would decrease the amount of sex trafficking by a meaningful amount? This is not something I know a lot about. Uh, a really interesting thing was I was looking into gay conversion in Ecuador. I was, that was another documentary I wanted to make. And the interesting thing was that um, they made gay conversion in Ecuador illegal, which I think most right-thinking – what a horrible thing, right-thinking – most right-thinking people would want to make gay conversion illegal. However, things got much worse for, well, gay people, for the LGBT community. Because what would happen is that instead of what was happening before, which was terrible, but it was basically, you know, psychiatrists would be seeing gay people and trying to convert them. Never successfully, because it's not how it works. It's ridiculous and awful. However... Once it was made illegal, it was forced underground, just like happens with drugs, just like what happens with prostitution. And it got a lot worse. Uh, and it meant that, you know, I spoke to people like lesbians who were kidnapped at four in the morning from their family home because somebody had heard that they might be a lesbian and never seen again or abused for four or five months underground, tortured to, to be made straight. So I think there is an argument in that. Maybe there's not much of an argument in that, actually. I don't want to speak as if I know anything. All I'd say is things are more complicated than make things illegal. I think really it's more about education. Um, they needed to learn more as a society, I suppose, about, about these kinds of things. And you know, So with legalizing prostitution, would it decrease sex trafficking? I don't know. Probably. Uh, and I'm not, I don't like making things illegal uh, that don't necessarily affect other people. Obviously, with prostitution consent is really blurred and awkward and difficult oh there are so many questions oh my word Carlin Borisenko Carlin Borisenko that's her she's cool gotta upgrade your stream stream yard to stream yard to pro congrats on the milestone oh that's nice of her Carlin Borisenko is on the podcast actually her she's a libertarian uh and and you'll see she's coming out on the on the on the podcast in the next few weeks and I was on hers and she's a very interesting person and because it's my first ever live stream, Carlin does them pretty much every single night. Uh, it has in the corner this big duck, which is the logo of StreamYard, which I'm using for a live stream. But I don't do live streams usually. But if I do more of these, because quite a few people are here, so maybe I will start doing them. Uh, David Goodman. Hi, Andrew. Just wondering where you studied journalism and for how long? That's a good question. Uh, I like talking about that stuff because it goes back to my roots and also... God, we've been going for some time and there's all these questions. I might end up making it a two-parter for the audio. Um, journalism. I studied English literature at Leeds University. I did a year then in Montpellier University in France. Then I came back to the UK to finish my Leeds University English literature course. Uh, and then I worked in HarperCollins Book Publisher in London. Uh, I worked at a book publisher in Bordeaux in France for a while as well. And I decided book publishing wasn't really for me, although I'm writing a book now, but it was too slow. I liked how I thought, you know, news is like every day different stuff, so I'll get into journalism. 
So, um, yeah, I got into... Oh, yeah, there's something called the NCTJ, which is the National Council for the Teaching of Journalists or Journalism. Uh, And that is like the thing in the UK. It's the sort of certification that you need. It's often a two-year course, but I found a way that it was free and it was a six-month course, but it was like pretty full-on. And there... You do like you learn a lot about politics and law and that stuff, the basics that I've totally forgotten already. You learn how to write a news article, which I, to be honest, I find really boring and I've not really done since. I was really into like long features and and audio and different things like that. And shorthand, which I've not used since, which is basically a, a sort of system of dots and things. You have to do 120 words a minute or something. Which so in the UK. In courts, in the courts, unlike you know the Johnny Depp stuff in the US, you're not allowed to bring cameras and audio recording equipment. So you have to be able to equipment. So I need some more water. <sighs> yeah, in the U- yeah, you're not allowed to record stuff basically in the UK. So you have to be able to do this shorthand stuff like dots and squares and dashes and things like that, and then you have to be able to translate it back. It's all very boring, but I did that, and when I was done with that. I worked at the Sun newspaper, tabloid newspaper. I worked nights. It was pretty awful. And then I went freelance after that. Well, I'm talking to you audio listeners again now. I'm recording this after having done the Q&A and editing this together. That's the end of part one. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope it wasn't too scatterbrained or whatever the fact that you're here means and listening to this bit i mean it means that you must have enjoyed it a bit or maybe you just couldn't be bothered to turn it off uh in any case i had fun chatting to all these people in the youtube community on the side getting all your questions and all of that stuff i might do it again at some point let me know what you thought i'd be interested andrew gold underscore okay on twitter and instagram part two will be out next saturday and i hope you enjoy the episodes coming out this week Thank you again for listening. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.